Yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you all so much for being a part of what has made this an extraordinary year. And we do hope that many of you, if you have not uh, uh, started to participate, especially financially with us in that, that you would consider that as the year comes to a close and we step into another incredible year where God's going to do amazing things. Now, that t- this Sunday... Uh, the Sunday for me is, well, I think for many of us, is, is bittersweet. Um, uh, our, our teaching pastor, Maurice Cox, and his wife, Aisha, have an incredible opportunity uh, to go and be a part of a church down in San Antonio. And for, um, for the last seven years, I've been blessed to get to be pastored by my best friend. Um, and many of us, many of us have got to grow closer to who Jesus is, see more of what he's like, step into what a rhythm of life, of life is like with him because of how we've been led by Maurice and Aisha, um, and we are so grateful for that. And so, so today, what I want us to do this is, is that we get, we get another opportunity to, to be led, to be pastored by Maurice. And so I just want to, maybe, maybe we could all, if you want to, get onto your feet, and can we welcome one more time to the stage, Maurice Cox. Ascent Community Church, my family. I hope you guys are praying for me. I don't know if I'm making it through this today. Thank you so much. I've taught you well. Talk back to me. Come on now. It's so good. Can somebody give me a tissue? Oh my gosh. Um, thank you, Beth. Um, seriously, I hope. Um, there's some things I want to get to today, and a gospel message that I want. Wow. <laughs> to communicate. Um, but it, I would be remiss to move forward and not acknowledge the moment, acknowledge the history, acknowledge the friendships, acknowledge what God has done through this community for me and my family. Thank you. Whole box. I'm going to be pulling it the whole time. And so, so I want to just make some, a few remarks and hopefully we can lift up God's name in the midst of that. Me and Aisha, we, uh, just recently, I've never been so emotional, uh, sermon prepping. And, uh, some of you may or may not know this, but <laughs> throughout 2020, preaching through a camera or preaching to a camera was horrible, and I hated it. And uh, there's nothing more that I would rather do right now uh, than to preach to a camera <laughs> and not have to see the amazing faces and remember the stories and the history of this community. Aisha and I, uh, just last week, uh, our church had celebrated us with, um, with cards with gifts, and all week long, Aisha and I have been uh, sitting down with some really cheap wine and <laughs> opening up all of your cards. 
Um, and there's still actually an opportunity. There's some, still some things that's out there right now, an, an area for that. And we've just been sitting and sitting in the moment. Sometimes we're able to make it through the night, sometimes we're not. And just going through your cards and hearing how we have been a blessing to this community. Sometimes the big critic, self-critic within ourselves and that inner voice can tell us that there's so much more to do and how much have we really done? How much have we actually made an impact? And we wish we would have done this better. We wish we would have done that. But some of you are writing cards and you're just writing stories. And you're just writing things, whether it's moments, whether it's encounters, or whether it's sermons that spoke to you. So I want to just say for a few moments, I want to say thank you. Aisha and I moved here in 2016, the summer of 2016. And we didn't know what God had for us. But you loved us, and you loved us well. You fed us on holidays. You withstood some of my worst sermons. I mean, I'm decent right now, but I mean, you guys withstood some horrible sermons. You let me grow up. You let me stumble. You let me make my way through. You let me figure it out. I initially came here as a high school pastor. Some of you in this room have kids that uh, Aisha and I were able to be a part of their lives and take them on mission trips and have deep conversations with and do our best to point them to Jesus. And you held us up, your love, your prayers. When we doubted, when Colorado felt lonely, you guys know that over the years I have grown very comfortable with naming the hard things and saying the difficult things. You guys held us up through a very emotional 2020. You guys held us up through a crappy season of infertility. For that, I want to say thank you. You have, caused, you have made so much impact in who I am as a leader. And you'll see a common theme today. Uh, because I can't sit in this moment too long. You'll see a common theme of me being able to not just end on a low, moat, a low note and a somber note. And so, because of that and because of the way I'm wired, I have all the feels, but I also have to thank you. Because of you, I know who Tom Petty is. <laughs> because of you, I've watched The Office for the very first time. For you, I've had, because of you, I've had several casseroles. Because of you, I kind of know the difference between compost, trash, and recycling. <laughs> because of you, there are so many firsts in my life, so many moments in my life. And for that, I say thank you. I'm not going to be able to name everybody as if this was like the Grammy Awards. <laughs> Uh, but right before I do get started, I, um, I have to say thank you uh, to our leaders, Bill and Jackie. You led, you led me, you cared for me. And because of you, I'm not only a better leader, but a better person, a better husband, a better father, and a better man. They say the goal of leadership is to not just build great leaders who are with you, 
but be, build leaders who can be great without you. I just hope that I make you proud. And I just want to say that I love you and I thank you. And Bill, you will always be the Robert De Niro to my Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> inside joke. He knows what that one is. You guys may have seen Men of Honor. As you will see, I can't stay on a low note. Bill and Jackie, because of you, I know what, or I've seen for the very first time, Top Gun, Sawshank Redemption, and Fight Club. I think that might be the favorites of any middle-class white man. <laughs> I know how to use the word cattywampus. I've gone golfing, had amazing Thanksgiving dinners, and because of you, I'm just a better person. And so I want to say thank you and that I love you. It's going to be a hard transition, but I just want to take a moment to pray um, because there is a greater purpose and there is a greater reason that we are all here. And because of the Christmas season, we can lean into that. But I didn't want to rush into the moment without acknowledging what God has done over the years and the great leadership that has shaped me and the great people that have shaped me. I can look across this room and I can go through the list and I can name names from the Holburns to the Friedrichs to Marty to Sturgeon, all of the people. It's been a blessing. And so for that, I say thank you. Lord, would you bow your heads with me and pray? God, thank you for this time. Thank you for who you have been. Thank you for your hand upon ascent. Thank you for this gospel-centered place that we have come together to be a light in this world. Thank you, God. Thank you for ascent taking a chance on Aisha and I. Thank you for this place being a place of refuge and of shaping and a blessing to my family. It is because of you and because of your hand of favor and because of your plan, God, that we are here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ascent, we are in our second week of a sermon entitled, when did this get up here? Oh man, all right, Aisha knows me. I told her to bring a towel instead of napkins because <laughs> absorbs better. Um, we've been, uh, this is our second week. And uh, for some of you who may have been in church world or around church world, you know that this is uh, what we call Advent season. And as we go into the Christmas season, we have a time and a moment in a church calendar year uh, where we actually, uh, church across the nation, across the world actually, uh, leans into this moment, leans into this season, which we call Advent. Advent is the arrival of someone or something of great importance. We remember the advent of the people in Jesus' day so that we can have hope for our Advent today. It's this idea of anticipation. It's this idea of expectation. It's this idea of longing for an answer, longing for God. One theologian would say that all of our spirituality when it comes to Jesus Christ is a longing to be connected. And the Advent season is one where we have time to take a moment to remember and to reflect. What happened at that very first Christmas? Because so much 
so many people, so, so much in that time, in that context, there was a longing and an anticipation. And we stamped that moment because the truth is for some of us today, uh, whether you would consider yourself a Christian or not, uh, we're looking forward to something. There's a longing deep inside of us. And the Christmas story is that remembering, that remembrance and that refreshing moment to re- recognize for all of us that Jesus Christ is our hope, our joy, and our love. We can have anticipation even in the midst of hard times. Advent is both a look forward with hope and expectation for the one we love and remember. It's this sort of theological idea of already but not yet. Jesus has come. And we're sort of in this in-between. And what I love about the Christmas story is that it speaks to those of us who might be in an in-between space. That sort of liminal space. We've been in in-between seasons before. You might be in an in-between season right now. The already, but the not yet. For several weeks, we're going to be talking about this primary subject of love. This idea of love and how God is love and what does that mean for us? Last week, we talked about what it meant, uh, John, he talked about what it meant when it comes to um, um, love, but when it shows up through a way of when we lose our reputation and how love is still present. Today, I want to talk about love through presence. If you don't know anything else or you don't write anything else down, rather, I would just want to let you know that we serve a God who shows up that he becomes very present. We're going to get this idea from Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read some of that first Christmas story for us. Uh, It's going to be 18 uh, chapters, uh, excuse me, verses 18 through 23. And I hope you would track along with me. It's somewhat lengthy, but it's an amazing uh, just glimpse of that Christmas story. I'll have it on the screens for you as well. Verse 18 says these words, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Today, that's my main emphasis, a God who loves us so much that he came to this world to be with us. Emmanuel, we sang the song, and we got to be very careful. Uh, For those of you who would consider yourselves Christians, I want to just speak to you in the room who are followers of Jesus. I just got to let you know that during this time, it is this beautiful merge and this beautiful dance of, uh, I don't really like using the word secular, but this sacred and secular when we start listening to songs and we start listening to like the songs that we sang, Oh, uh, Come Emmanuel. These songs have deep theological meaning. And today we lean into what it means to long for God and knowing that it was a sign to them and a sign to us that God is with us. Emmanuel. It's that time of the year 
where we notice those things, but if we're not sensitive or if we're not careful, we can dismiss this whole season and we can chalk it up to all of the good things that we love. It's that time of the year of eggnog. I don't know about you, but I love eggnog. I went the other day to the store and I tried to be healthy and I grabbed the like oatmeal eggnog and I was like, no, I'm good. I don't even care what's in the ingredients. I read it one time. I was like, wow, that's what eggnog is made of. Go ahead, give it to me. Eggnog, ugly Christmas sweaters, which are starting to get really fashionable these days. Christmas movies, the classics like Home Alone, The Grinch. I started thinking about Christmas time and what it meant to me. And I don't know about you, but during Christmas time, isn't it true that sometimes we can, uh, Christmas time serves as this space in our life of full nostalgia? Like it just takes us back and we watch these movies and we, we, we do these different things. Two things came to mind for me, movies and malls. That's what came up to, for me. I started thinking about the movies and the classic movies that we watch and that I'm listening to. Like I said, Home Alone, The Grinch, The Preacher's Wife. Come on, Denzel, Whitney Houston. That's a classic right there. Start going down the list of this. And for me, I have to have like set up the whole like space. Like I can't just watch a movie. I want it to be dark. I want it to be something where, you know, I'm snuggling up. I want to have a hot chocolate. I want to like set the whole scene. And when I start watching some of these movies, isn't it cool when you start watching, especially, you know, I'm getting older these days. Y'all know we all getting older. Where you start looking back and you start looking at those dated movies. It's like start looking at the cars that they were driving, the cell phones. Remember the car cell phone? I was watching one the other day and it was just like the car cell phone that was like in the middle divider and they like was with a cord and you were the coolest thing on the block if you had a car cell phone. We look at these things and it reminds us of the good old days. It reminds us of a time in history. Sometimes it takes us back to a place in our own lives. But not only movies, but for me, it was also malls as well. When I started looking back, I started thinking about uh, going to the mall. Now that's not a thing anymore, but y'all remember going to the mall Like you would have to go get, like right now we can just order Amazon, we can get something, you know, right to our door. It's Christmas every day, right? But having to go to the mall, I remember 1999, y'all. I'm not gonna say how old I was because some of y'all might feel, you know, a little older. But I was eight years old in 1999. And I just remember going to the mall, y'all. And the long lines. You just have to sit and we would go as a family. We would do this whole divide and conquer and like mom, dad, like mom's going over here. Dad's going over here. Some of us will go with dad. Some of us will go with mom. And it's like going to the, both of the ends of the mall and then coming together in the middle. And we're like going, you know, line upon line, going down the list. And sometimes we'd even take shifts because it's a long line. You got to wait. We waiting in Sears. Come on, rest in peace, Sears, right? Y'all remember Sears? That was like the adult you know, gifts. We're like, what, what am I doing in Sears? Like, take me to the toys, take me to the, you know, PlayStation 5. We're sitting in Sears, we're kind of taking shifts, the kids are running around, dad's standing in line. We meet in the middle and this whole divide and conquer and the mall's full of lines. Hopefully you saw your crush from a school and you're just there. It was just packed, y'all. Taking pictures with Santa. It was such a beautiful time. It takes us back to a place in time where we see these special moments in our life. In some ways, malls and movies serve as this sort of nostalgic, sorry, this is just like an eyesore for me, so I'm gonna like put this down there. <laughs> sorry, I'm... Movies and malls <laughs> serves as this sort of nostalgic idea. I wrote down this serves in some ways like this nostalgic portals, right? It takes us back 
through these special times in our life. But I wrote down for us to remember, and I'm not going to be too long. I'm oppressed myself not to be very long today. But I want us to remember as we enter in, especially in the depth and the heart of the Christmas season, as we look back upon that first Christmas story, to not get too caught up. And for us to remember that Christmas isn't an escape, but it is an answer. Christmas is not just a time of escape. Because sometimes I think because of our hardship, because of things that we're facing, for some of us in this room, uh, it's actually more of a triggering time because it serves as a time of loss. It reminds us of people who was once with us. It reminds us of just hard times. And sometimes I think that we can look at these moments, and don't get me wrong, look, I'm all for the eggnog, the malls, and the movies, and all sorts of things. But let us be reminded and let the story, that first Christmas, refresh us that it's not just a place of escape, but that first Christmas story was an answer. And it begs the question, what was it an answer to? See, we read the story, and it just gives a little bit of context. We read this story of Matthew, and he's writing, and he's telling us about what it was for Mary and Joseph, and the angel saying that you will have a sign, Emmanuel, that God is with you. See, we have this sort of thing, this theological word called incarnation. God came to earth. He has dwelt among us. And that first Christmas story reminds us that we're not in this alone. That first Christmas story reminds us that because of the incarnation, that big word just simply means that God came to this world. He became flesh. And we harp on that. We sit in that. And it's a, it's a strong theological conviction and a song uh, in the Christian world that we, we really press into, not only just the virgin birth, but when it comes to incarnation, love came to the world. Love showed up on our behalf. Why does this matter? Well, I'm going to read a quote for you by Tim Keller. He writes these words, and, and I found it so amazing the way that he grasped these words. Tim Keller says these words. Tim Keller is an amazing, uh, rest in peace, rest his soul. Uh, he's a, he was an amazing theologian and pastor. And I would encourage you to read anything, Tim Keller. He writes these words, I've become convinced that what makes the difference for Christianity is the incarnation. No other faith says God became flesh. This matters during the Christmas season because the incarnation shows us that God became flesh. And if it matters, this has, this, this has uh, strong effects in our life. See, because if Jesus Christ was just a good teacher, I mean, hey, we all need good teaching. If Jesus Christ was a wise man, we need wisdom in our world like never before. If Jesus Christ was a good guy, we need more good people in this world. But if Jesus Christ was God, that means something. I heard one pastor put it like this. You can tell the size of the problem by the size of the solution. You can always tell the size of a problem by the size of the solution. And if Christmas is not just a place of escape, but it serves as a solution, it serves as an answer, then we must ask the question, an answer to what? And while I love Christmas time and I want to get into all the good stuff and I want to talk about all the things, we have to make mention that Scripture will see in our verse today, in verse 21, that Jesus Christ came because there was a problem in this world. And it's in Christian world and the Christian framework that we would say that problem was sin and the sin of this world. 
was something that we couldn't defeat. The sin of this world that brought shame, it brought guilt. It's sin in all of its forms, sin in the things that we see that's taking place even today. The brokenness, the injustice, the things that we recognize and we see even in the news cycle. But we must also make mention, and I got to nudge you just a little bit on this Christmas story. Love me. I just, listen, I'm on my way out, so I'm going to just step on some toes anyway, okay? But sin, when we talk about it during the Christmas season, Jesus Christ says, I've come to defeat sin, but I, make, I need to make mention that it's not just an out there thing. That because of humanity, sin is in us as well. It's in you and it's in me. You can always tell the size of a problem by the size of the solution. You don't put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And because of the world that we live in, because of the world in Mary and Joseph's time, we see scripture being fulfilled because God saw fit to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to this world as a great reconciler. An amazing uh, theologian uh, by the name of Waldenstrom would say that it was humanity being reconciled back to God. And because of Jesus Christ, because he was incarnate, because he came and dwelt among us, because he loved us so much, God showed up. And that's good news for us today because it's not just a thing that we think about in the past. Can I tell you that God is still showing up? I know hard times is coming your way and I know hard times show up, but can I tell you that God still shows up? I know it's hard for you to keep thinking through how that divorce has hit you and it keeps coming back up in your life and it seems like you can't even get over it, even past all of these years. But can I tell you, as hard times continue to show up, so does God. Can I tell you that the things that you may be facing today, the struggle, maybe even the addiction, can I tell you that although those things may show up, we serve a God who also shows up. And the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ becoming flesh, coming to this earth and God becoming human, showing us the beauty of that and sitting in our mess is that God is with us and that Emmanuel is with us. And when Emmanuel came, he came to bring unity. He came to bring love and joy and hope. But can I tell you something that you may not always hear from preachers? that your situation may not change. That when we face hard times, that when we face a struggle, I got to stay faithful and I got to stay integral to the text. Can I tell you that there was long years before that? But what Matthew is doing here is he's actually quoting Isaiah, which quoted, who said, these, said this prophecy 700 years before. And this guy, Isaiah, he's actually in this moment where he's fighting a struggle with an empire and he's fighting all these sort of this moment of conquering empire after empire. I'm just going to give you some biblical context. And Isaiah, in his day and age, he is actually telling that king of that time, King Ahaz, and he's saying, hey, listen, there will be a sign. And that sign is going to be Emmanuel. And it's going to be hope for the nation of Israel. Can I tell you? That that sign didn't come until 700 years later? Can I tell you that sometimes it won't get better? Can I tell you that what we do in the Christian faith sometimes is a detriment to all of us because we get up here and we say nice, happy things. And we just say it's going to get better. And if you do this and if you keep coming to church, then it's going to get better. And if you keep praying, it's going to get better. And if you give a certain amount of money, then it's going to get better. And if you come from a charismatic background, you spin around three times and you lay on the altar and y'all know what I'm talking about. If you really, you get really, really expressive, God's going to get it better. 
Can I tell you that's not scriptural? That there are some things in our life and in our world that's not just going to be up and to the right of our bank account. It's not going to be everything is all good. Can we look at our world and just see that, yes, in an American context, we may get away with such a subtle and divisive message, but that message can't go to countries who, who are suffering from preventable diseases. That that message can't go. And I've heard a preacher put it this way. If the gospel cannot be preached that same one that you're preaching here can't be preached to the ends of this world, but you might be preaching the wrong gospel. Why do I say all this today? I say all of this today to say that God is with us, that he loved us so much that he showed up. My encouraging word to you today is sent. It's to hold on to Emmanuel. Emmanuel not just shows up, but he sustains us. That God became flesh is such a profound thing that he didn't love us from a distance, but he loved us so much that he drew close. He became proximate to our plight and our proximity and to our suffering and to the things that we are facing in this world. Can I tell you, a friend is good. Community is powerful and necessary. And can I tell you family is a good thing? I'm moving because of family. Can I tell you being close to friends is a good thing? Can I tell you church community is a good thing? But I must say what is supreme above all of those things is that we have God with us. Amen. Emmanuel, God is with us. There's a, actually a way that I want to form this, and I want to put it in a way of um, the gospel presentation done in chairs. Uh, some of us have heard some of the gospel before. Addie, you can actually bring those chairs up to the stage. Uh, but some of us have heard what it means to follow after Jesus. And some of us have seen it in ways that I've actually have grown to see can be very destructive. Uh, no analogy, no illustration is perfect, so give me grace. Uh, but I've seen some of this go around before, um, and we actually want to put what we see scriptural and our theological conviction uh, upon the gospel in chairs today. Uh, some of you have probably heard the gospel before, and you may have heard it in one way. And I'm going to do this two times, uh, because I think what's important for us to recognize is what, when God shows up, uh, that matters. And if God became flesh, that, that changes everything. Because you can always tell the size of a problem by the size of the solution. You may have heard the gospel put one way, and I'm going to say it one time, then I'm going to say it another, what we really see and lean into here at Ascent. One way that you may have heard the gospel put is that uh, God created heaven and earth. And because of God created heaven and earth, he also created humanity. And God created humanity and image bearers in his likeness. And God, because he loves humanity so much, it was always his desire to be face-to-face -face with humanity. Because humanity, we recognize that there is God and humanity. But there was this thing called sin in our world. And humanity chose its own way. And because love and God loves humanity, love necessitates choice. And because we have free will, we recognize in our lives that sometimes our will doesn't go towards the direction of God. And because of that, we see the story of Adam and Eve, and we see the story all throughout history to Abraham, to David, to all throughout history, uh, Daniel, and all throughout Jesus' time, humanity 
choosing its own way. And because God is not only a loving God, but he's a just God full of judgment and wrath, he cannot look upon sin. And because of sin in the world, God has to turn his back. And because he turned his back and because he can't stand sin and he can't stand humanity continuing to choose otherwise, this was the scenario of God and humanity. So much so that it got so bad that God had to send his son, Jesus, in place and in the form of humanity and in flesh so that he could save humanity, so that he could bear the weight of sin. And he took on the sin of the world. And because he took on the sin of the world, he died a death that no one could die and he rose from the grave. And because he rose from the grave on that resurrection, uh, Jesus Christ changed the disposition, the, excuse me, the disposition of God's heart. And because of Jesus, humanity has the opportunity to turn back to God. Gospel presentation number one. Now, because here to Saint, we actually, uh, when we look towards scripture and we see a strong theological conviction, there's uh, not only uh, minor tweaks, but strong emphasis on these tweaks. Uh, that when it comes to who God was in our life and in our world, that we make strong, that, excuse me, that we put emphasis on. And I'm gonna do it again, and maybe you'll notice uh, the different gospel message of what we lean into here to Saint. God, created the heaven and the world and humanity. In the beginning, God created. We have God and humanity, and God loved humanity so much that he has longed to see his image bearers face to face with him. Uh, and he gave humanity free will and choice. And because of that free will and choice, our actions and our choices don't always go in the direction of God, but love necessitates choice. And because of God, and because of humanity often choosing the way of sin, sin never changed the disposition, excuse me, the disposition of God's heart. And so God pursued humanity. And when we would go our own way, we see Abraham and we see David. Even when David goes his own way and commits a tragic sin and he turns away from God, God pursues humanity. When we chose the golden calf, if you know scripture, and we decided to choose our own way, and said, no, 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 we don't need that. And we chose our own way when it came to kings. And God said, I want to be your king. And we said, no, we'll choose our own king. God pursued us. So much so that even when humanity chose its own direction, that God loved us so much that the Bible says that he sent his only begotten son, not in, because of spite, not because of wrath, because he loved us. And Jesus Christ comes down, clothes himself in human flesh, in humanity, God with us, and he sits in our situation. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest who can't empathize with our situation. Can I tell you, if you're in a moment right now of empathy or needing empathy, if you're in a moment right now where you may feel isolated, can I tell you that we still serve a God who is sitting in our situation? He is with us in our circumstance, so much so 
that Jesus Christ came to this world and those who others pushed away, he brought close. Those who were misfits, he brought them close. Those who, who, who tried to, when we tried to create boundaries and say, you're in and you're out, Jesus brought all of humanity in to reconcile all people, to show love, not just to die on a cross, but to be an example for all of us. That God became human. So much so that because of this problem of sin, he did take on the sins of this world. And when he came, he came to defeat sin. Scripture calls us and tells us that he defeated sin and death on the cross. That sin has no more power. And I just want to encourage you this Christmas season. I know Maurice is sitting here and he's talking a whole lot about sin. And we're supposed to be happy. And we're supposed to be clapping. And we're supposed to be like singing and eating, drinking hot chocolate. And I know. But like, look, just stick with me. I'm getting there, okay? Um, but, but because of this and because of this Christmas story that God sits in our mess we don't walk through life alone and because he took on all of our struggle and all of our problem. Even to today, sin has no power over us. And somebody needs to be reminded that even you, though you face something and even though you keep finding yourself in different struggles, sin has no power over you. It was defeated on the cross. So Jesus sits in the place of humanity and he rises from the grave. But it was always God's intention not just be a God who is with us, but to be a God who's in us. And what Jesus says is that when I rose from the grave, I didn't leave you by yourself, but I've sent, watch this, the comforter. I've sent the one who's going to be with you. I've sent the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. I've sent my Holy Spirit to you. You may face all sorts of things in your life, but we have the opportunity for God to not just be around us, but to be in us. And today, somebody in this room, you may not have, you may not know that sort of love. You may not have taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus. But when you do, can I tell you, it was always God's intention for him to sit on the throne of your heart to be the center of your world. And when we have God in us, can I tell you that's a love that you may not have ever seen? Can I tell you that's what love of Christmas is? That when Jesus Christ came to this world as a little baby, he came because Christmas is not just a place of escape for the nostalgia in our world. Christmas doesn't serve as just an escape, it serves as an answer. And this Christmas season, we're reminded that we have hope. We're reminded that we have love, that we have joy. And when we place our faith in Jesus, we have the ability for him to sit on the throne of our hearts. Maybe you're in this room and you have not taken that step. I just want to encourage you that that invitation has been sitting at the doorstep of your heart. And maybe you are a person who's been following after God. Can I just encourage you that you need to be refreshed by the Christmas story? Don't just get caught up by the trees and the lights, but would you be refreshed by this powerful message that God loved you so much that he decided to show up? Ascent, I want to end with this passage of Scripture and found in 1 John, which highlights and emphasizes the love of God. Love showed up. Love has presence. I think it's so powerful for us to look at this gospel message. First John 4 says these words, verse 9, God showed how much he loved us 
by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. Amen. We can clap our hands there. Listen, friends and family, uh, I wrestle with this message, but I love the gospel message and I love the Christmas moment and the Christmas story because it takes us back. We're able to declutter some of Christmas to remind ourselves that what God did for us, that he came in the place of a little baby, innocent. And while the people of that day were expecting some warrior, while the people of that day was expecting someone to come on a high horse and to overthrow the Roman Empire, Jesus comes as a baby. You know, one of the things that I'm learning even in my own life, uh, some of you may know that I have a son and he's seven months old. And what I love about a baby, and, and, and I, one parent told me this because I kept praying, like, I'm just like, at this point where I'm like, would you just like do it yourself? Like just walk over there yourself? Um, and one parent was like, when they start walking, you're not going to want them to walk. <laughs> and I'm sitting there because right now, uh, as a baby, he's so dependent. And as a baby, uh, there is no own agenda. I know that it gets to a certain age where they just start running around and having their own agenda. But as a baby, there's such a withness. As a baby, he wants to be with his mom and dad. As a baby, He wants our presence as a baby. You see this sort of posture of sitting and longing. And I find any chance that I get to just sort of press into uh, baby pictures. It's still a gospel message, but um, I brought a few pictures of a baby that I thought I'd just throw up to the screen. Um, And just emphasizing God as a baby. <laughs> Even if, like we serve a God that is fully God and fully human. Look at this human photo also. Like God cried, y'all. Okay? Okay, you can take it off. I'm not a bad parent. But he's just crying, okay? God came as an innocent, beautiful baby. And he came through a lowly place. And that sort of picture as a baby just reminds us and shows us a picture of how God longs to be with us. My encouragement to you today, we have people every single service who are praying at the ends of the stage. And my encouragement to you is that if you haven't taken that step yet, can I just let you know that God is longing for you to experience his withness. That God is so with you Even in your hardship, can I tell you, he's with us. And Emmanuel was a sign for Mary and for Joseph, and he was also a sign for us. And when we let Jesus Christ into our hearts, we don't only have him with us, but we have him in us. Can I tell you that's how the world changes? Can I tell you that that's how the dynamics of your family begins to shift? Can I, fit, can I tell you that we don't just have faith, but faith has works and it has action behind it. And we have Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of our hearts. Can I tell you that's how a city is transformed? 
From experience, can I tell you, that's how you are able to have a defeat or a, 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 a power and a victory over addiction. Can I tell you, when it comes to the ideas or the thoughts of self-worth, self-worth and all the things that you may be facing, when Jesus Christ is on the throne of your heart, it's a reminder of the Christmas story, not just during December, but for every single day. That we don't have to live this life alone because Christmas shouldn't just serve as an escape. But Christmas is the answer. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I want to pray in this moment. There may be someone who is actually skeptical maybe even curious, or maybe even on the fringe, maybe they've been brought here by a family member. Lord, uh, there is a love that I'm doing my best to present today, Lord. And there is a love that you go beyond a person who is speaking, that someone can experience you. Someone can experience the witness of God, that God is with us. God, I pray right now for someone who may be thinking about opening the door of their heart. Pray for someone right now who has not yet experienced what it means to have Emmanuel. This Christmas season, Lord, may we enjoy the people around us. May we enjoy the love of around us. May we enjoy the people and the things that are around us, but let it not only be the things, but let those things point to a God who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son and continues to pursue us day in and day out. God, thank you for not just seeing the problem of humanity and sin, but sending the answer that reaches to our soul and to our society. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.